avid followers from the beginning of this podcast knew it as Pleasure Seeking, named after my new book, The Magic of Pleasure Seeking. As soon as my book is available to pre-order, I'll announce it here. Ladies, gentlemen, it's Claudia Monacelli again with a wonderful episode today. My guest is Sam Fiera, who's a professional. Uh, He's created a personal journey as a speaker, a storyteller, and uh, an educator, a writer, a mentor, a coach. You know, there's a long line of his experiences that just one thing has led to another, an entrepreneur, a problem solver, and a community activator. His goal is to engage individuals, and I just love this, in their own personal and professional development, work with teams. He works with teams and organizations on alignment, and the 45-plus nonprofits that he's worked with over the years. Currently, he teaches at the Bead School of Business at uh, Sam Fraser University and is also the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting, a platform that engages his audience to define their path. And this is what we're going to talk about today. A key element is transformational practices that he'll talk about as well, where he has become an expert in career coaching um, with 15 to 40-year-olds, with over 5,000 conversations to date, and supporting teams and organizations. He has authored two different books, one on storytelling and the other a travel memoir about his journey to India to find his ancestral roots and a fade with a faded photograph, and we'll start from there. He's also spoken at two different TED Talks, TEDx conferences. Let's have him in so he can speak for himself. All right. Sam, it's wonderful to have you here. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. And I look forward to being able to share insights with your audience. Well, great. Um, I I don't want to take you off track because the journey is so important. And I think the journey Mm -hmm. is what we're going to talk about. And let's start with your journey as uh, looking for your roots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was born in England, raised in Canada. Uh Uh-huh. My, my parents come from Fiji Islands and my grandfathers are from India. Wow. And all too often, yeah, and all too often I would get people asking, so what part of India are you from because of the physical appearance? And I'd say, well, I was born in England, raised in Canada. And then they're like, no, 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 your parents, what part of India? And I'm like, well, they come from Fiji Islands, which is right <laughs> near Australia. Yeah. And they look perplexed and say, are you Indian? And I'm like, well, my grandfathers are from India. Yeah. And then the other part is people would be like, no, no, uh, you're Canadian. You're not even Indian because, you know, you don't have the mannerisms or, you know, like you don't talk like us. You don't dress like us. Right. And it's also interesting, Claudia, where people, after you tell them, explain to them your journey about who you are, where you're from and everything, they say, but really, where are you from? (laughs) Yeah, but where are you? Where are you from? I love that. (laughs) Well, I'm planet Earth. I mean, that's where I'm from. (laughs) How about you? Where are you from? Um, And it it was one of those things that I had always wondered about because, you know, I would say my Indian identity and my Indian cultural background always took a backseat in my life. And it wasn't from uh, necessarily embarrassment or 
whatnot. It's just I grew up in a in a Canadian Western society, but there were certainly you know undertones of this cultural aspect of my Indian background, and I started asking questions to my parents about ancestral roots. And, you know, my grandfather, he passed away when I was four, mm -hmm. five years old, never really got to meet him, my paternal one. And I never met my maternal grandfather. <clears throat> Both my grandmothers, certainly I got to spend time with them, but never asked them those critical questions. Right. Then I started asking my, my father, my uncles about our ancestral roots. And they said, well, I mean, it comes from Northern India and Punjab, but you know, we don't know much about it. None of them had visited except my dad's older brother. Right. And he died many, many years ago. But even though he had visited, nobody had pulled that information. So I decided I really need to learn about my cultural identity. And I decided I'm going to go with to India with my wife. And I started asking around. And it was interesting because all I got was noise, obstacles, you know, pushback. Why are you searching for the village? Do you realize you may not find it? Uh, there's a good chance you're not going to find it. Or if you find it, you're not going to get a good reception. So there was a lot of this aspect. But I thought, no, you know, I want to go to India and I want to learn about this part of my life. So I went there with a faded photograph. That's all I had. Of what? A faded photograph of the family from our village ah. in India. And that's it. And it was a three and a half by three and a half picture, inch picture with just, you know, faded, uh, sort of tinged yellow. You could barely make out the people. And that's really what I had to go by, as well as the name of our village, okay. a town that's about five, five miles away, and the district. Well, the journey was epic because I really got to embrace India for the first time in my life. And it made me realize that I was a foreigner going to a land that should not be foreign to me. Right. But and, it was. and when were, how old were you, if you don't mind me asking at the time? Sure. I did this when I, when I was probably about 40 years old. Uh -huh. So I had, you know, suddenly this, this hunkering to, to, of... and a hunger to find mm -hmm. it. And India was amazing. It, has magnificence and brilliance, but it also has poverty and injustice. And it, it was more, I needed to realize this and see it for everything that it is. And it made me realize that I'm a traveler, not a tourist. Now there's right. nothing wrong with being right. a tourist, mm -hmm. but a tourist only wants to see and not experience. I wanted to experience. So I needed to see the poverty, not from a voyeuristic standpoint, but this is a component of India that is real. Mm -hmm. Equally, you know, just embrace it all. But within this journey to find my grandfather's house was also this piece about my own personal identity as a British-born Canadian, parents from Fiji. Did you? And I remember. Um, I'm, I'm going to just stop sorry, you for a second. So, did you have or know of? any cousins yeah. that were of your age or, or second cousins, you know, some mm -hmm. cousins removed. Did you know of them? Mm -hmm. Well, there's many of them, but they're all with me here ah, or ah, in England, ah. but, but none in India. Oh, I, I had literally I nobody in India. Okay. And, and, uh, but I remember the, so the, the title of the book really is fitting. It's lost and found seeking the past and finding myself. Cause I went for the seeking the past. Right. But I also found myself and how I found myself is I always 
found that my life was a tali and a tali is a platter in Indian cooking, which is a segmented dish. So you've got your different curries in a tali. Mm -hmm. So I'm British, Canadian, Indian, and Fijian. And Claudia, for 11 years, I played in an Irish military pipe band. So maybe there's a bit of Irish chutney <laughs> on the side too. Um, but it made me realize I, I woke up one morning going, you know, my life has been segmented into a tali. Actually, I'm a rice dish in India that they call kichdi. Kichdi is where it's a rice dish. You go to your fridge, you pull these vegetables. Mm -hmm. There you go. And then you blend the flavors together yeah. with the spices yeah, and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it made me realize I'm not a tali, I'm kichdi. But yeah. <laughs> it also made me realize that everybody is kichdi. Yes. Everybody is a blend everyone. of flavors. Everyone, yeah. Yeah. And then that was one component about finding myself, because then that made me realize I went to India to search about my Indian roots, but I was always Indian. Yeah. I didn't have yeah, to go exactly. there, but I'm glad I did. But now, I, I'm going yeah. to stop you because I'm thinking yeah. of the timeline and, and having, mm -hmm. of course, uh, presented you. I'm trying to think of exactly when there was a mm -hmm. change in the nature of your professional activity because I know you right. teach and, and I'm, that is mm -hmm. ongoing, uh, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, what exactly was the first thing that you put into mm -hmm. a product or a service or a, a company? Mm -hmm. How, what, mm -hmm. what exactly was it and what was it um, aimed at? What age group first, firstly? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you know, what happened is I was in a corporate job in a corporate setting. Ah. And, you know, you know, and at a certain point in time, it, it made me realize I was focusing on what not who like what I was doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And is this the right journey versus who am I? So and at that I time, Sam, you were yes. not yeah. um, teaching. Is that right? No, ah. no, no. Teaching was much later Ooh. in life. No, no. Now I understand. Yep. Oh, Yep. You are a born so, again person. You have completely. I was. <laughs> Go on. I was. Because I left that corporate world yeah. and then I, I went on a journey, worked on the Olympic bid to get the games to Vancouver. But here's the part that really sort of brought me back home. It's the things that happened much earlier in my life because this whole idea of when I graduated university, mm -hmm. much like everyone else, oh, you know what? I have my degree in business and political science and now I'm going to go get my job. And, and right. you know, there's the corporate side. To me, this attitude sitting at graduation is who's lucky to get me because now I'm graduating business and political science. And my realization is I sent out letters because that's what we did back then. Of there course. wasn't the internet of and course. all of that. And, you know, I sent out 12 letters and 12. waited because somebody <laughs> was going to be lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I waited and, you know, somebody was going to be lucky to get me and a first letter arrived and it said, sorry, we don't have a job for you. Uh, good luck. I love that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, hey, I've got 11 out there, but I'm going to send three more out. So I did that. And <laughs> I'm laughing because Claudia, I was, know, I know. It, it was like the tide. I'm, the more I sent out, the more came back. And, you know, I have 86 <laughs> rejection letters. 86. It's the size of a brick. <laughs> Letters of companies who said, we don't know who you are. Good luck. And I don't know why I kept them, but they kept coming in and I kept them. No. Um, but what was interesting is it provided that foundation, that that critical stage made me realize I was not prepared. And 
my first job was entry level government, fortunately, after 86 rejections. <laughs> but it was be it was a janitor mopping floors and emptying rubbish bins in a hospital. Good for you. Good for you. And you know what? That's... But I went into that job with this attitude going, okay, three lessons that carries me to who I am today. The first one, my father said, I don't care what you do. You do the best job possible because you know what? If you can put reputation on the line right now, this will carry you to today. I still put care and passion into anything I do, even to this day. Yeah. Do you know what? There is no floor cleaner than at the end of my shift and no <laughs> rubbish bin left full. Good for you. Um, the, Sam, the, the, take the, the arrow for president. Oh, I'm man. voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I tell you, it was it was a journey. And the second valuable lesson was I would get on the elevator with nurses, doctors, and administrators, and I'd be ignored because you're a janitor. We have nothing in common. Of course. Do you know what? I know what this feels like. This is why I talk to everybody. I, it doesn't matter who yeah, you are. No, I, if you're I the president, exactly. right to a person in school, I will talk to everyone. Yeah, because everybody yeah. has a story. Yeah, it's a it's a lesson that I learned very very young. Yeah. 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 And and the third lesson was lessons to be learned in anything and everything. Instead of looking at this as a negative or as a problem, I looked at it as what is it an opportunity? And I looked at it and I peeled the onion skin and I said, I'm going to learn and I'm going to take these lessons with me on my journey. And it's helped me throughout. And then it took me to the university where I went in with those letters and I told them, I need to be here to help the students so they don't have to go through what I went Very through. Very nice. And immediately within 30 minutes, they phoned me and said, you're hired. We need Good you to you. engage the students to realize, Good for you. you know, yeah, yeah. it's more than GPAs and transcripts. Right, right. And, but Claudia, here's the interesting thing. I look at those letters. If one of those letters would have materialized today, I would not be yes. here with you. My life would of have course. gone in a different direction. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. And the second true. thing, many of those companies no longer exist. Oh. I still do. I outlasted them. <laughs> we are resilient. We are going to survive. That is wonderful. Oh, poor country. Yeah. Not for the companies, but yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. No, but that's what's guided me to this area of, of teaching, student engagement and teaching. Yeah. And I've been doing it for about 17 years. And I want students to grasp and understand not not only what they're going to do in the future, but who are you? And they struggle with this. Now, and you would have thought, wait, yeah, wait. I was going to say, I was just going to say, <laughs> but but years ago, this is what I struggled with. You thought that by now it would have changed, but it hasn't. No, no. All right. Now yeah. we're getting to the meat. Yes. All right. Now. Yes. Uh, go on. <laughs> no. No, because I wanted to hold that moment because it's yeah. so, so, um, it's a sacred mm -hmm. moment, you know, when yeah. you, because uh, a lot of people say, my soul, my soul. And I, and mm -hmm. I think, okay, can you tell me where it is? And, and I work yeah. with the soul. I mean, a soul therapist, so I know, but, but they, they, it's nowhere to be found. And it's the same exact idea. Mm -hmm. How did yeah. you go about it? working with people sure. and making them understand who they were. Yeah. And it, it, it actually, I had to have gone through that fire myself in order yeah, to have that course. realization. Mm -hmm. And when I left that corporate job and the reason I left that corporate job is because again, it was about 
realizing, putting myself first and realizing this job, while as much as I loved what yeah. I was doing, yeah. mm -hmm. it just, it, it was time for a change. Yes. And what I came up with that helped me that now I help thousands with is what I call the five core elements. In other words, I told myself back then, instead of looking at the position and then going down a pathway in a journey, I said, I'm going to look at myself. What are the five things that I am not willing to compromise yes. in life and career, okay. not just career, but life and career. Right. And I said, okay, there are these, and I, and I started going down an inquiry pathway to say, okay, what's really important to me. And I would come up with words and then I say, okay, but why is that important? Because the why bit is really important to yes. add significance to the word. Yes. And I came up and my latest version of who I am, because these change, <laughs> change as you will change. Time, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I'm a hermit crab. I mean, we change shells. Um, and what I, what I, I mean, my present one is servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. Oh, now you they're, make they're, these whatever you they, want. They are compound words. Boy, you, you, you have come up in the world. <laughs> Well, not just that, Claudia. I mean, Microsoft Office doesn't recognize community do-gooder as a word. You get the red squiggly line. It says it doesn't exist. It said it does exist because that's what I do. I'm a community do-gooder. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because when I found those five things that have matured over yeah. time, I now have a base and a foundation. Think of it this way. If you were to build a house, you need a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. We even hire a building inspector to check the foundation. When have we done this with our life? Yeah, yeah. What I what I do is I ask questions. Okay. So I say. So now we're we're yes we're at the question uh, uh, asking yes. to someone, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a a child, I have child, yep. a 14, 15, 16, an adolescent, yep. right? An yep. adolescent who comes to you as a con counselor can i say that mm -hmm. what your sure. role okay yeah. it would be a counselor yeah. and typically what would their issues be what brought them mm -hmm. to you right oftentimes uh, you know usually the audience is 15 to 40 year olds but it's been younger and it's also certainly been much older but what brings them to me mm -hmm. is the fact that they see the journey that i've been on or Somebody has said, here's somebody you need to speak with because he will look at it from a different perspective. Okay, so now wait a minute. Then the tradition. Hold on. Yeah. Now, that is, um, there is a certain amount of word of mouth. No, hands down. That is what mm -hmm. happens no matter what age we're in now with all of this. Sure. It is word of mouth. But did you have a role that mm -hmm. um, also gave you the authority, let's say, sure. to do that at the time? Yep. Okay. Well, I, I co-founded Gratis One. So Gratis means Latin for, for uh, step. So step one. Mm -hmm. And Gratis One became a platform that people then could filter into to help realize their journey. So that became an official sort of organization that we, that we created, co-founded. But we knew that there were limitations, that it would only be uh, significant in our jurisdiction because so, of the funding aspect. Okay, so mm -hmm. so you say we uh, is that a collective? We? There was a okay. Yeah, there was two, three. There were sorry, there were three of us yes. that put our minds together okay. and built this, and then a nationwide 
organization realized the work we were doing and we built a relationship with them and then we merged. Okay, so now, because I'm, I, I come from the institution, sure. I'm a university professor. So, you know, I always think, are you inside or outside? Are, are you a, you know, how mm-hmm. do you interact with the uh, institution? Yeah. Uh, did you have to uh, apply in some way for, in a competition? Uh, is it mm-hmm. a contract that was, you know, how, how did that, if you don't mind me sure. asking? Oh, because totally. that's important. So I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a limited term lecturer. So basically okay. I've got my teaching commitments. Right. But I can do what I want outside of, of the university, as long as it's nothing illegal and uh, detrimental. <laughs> and it doesn't uh, uh, compete with what the university does? Is that a certain... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, yeah, I would say so. I mean, the, they've always said the benefit of what you do is it engages our alums even further. Okay. I mean, I've, I say. part of what I've done is I've created an alumni network that uh, is very supportive nice. of the work I do, but also supportive of the university. Nice. This and is nice. being connected to the university, you're still connected. And again, it, it's one of those situations where the university recognizes and acknowledges that, you know, here's somebody who's not only teaching, but he's building foundational experiences for our students, Mm -hmm. but he's also uh, someone that's not just here in the university, but he's representing the university when he's out there as well. Mm -hmm. And it was great because at at first, for the first eight years, the university basically hired me to engage the students Mm. in our business school. And it was amazing because we saw a culture shift from disengagement to now where students don't realize where these programs emerge from, but I got to build them and now I get to see them. And then when I was transitioning out of it, my associate Dean said, well, alumni relations, cause you're tied to these people. And eventually then it was like, you should be teaching. And then nice. I love the teaching bit cause it okay. frees me up to do so much yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that yeah. let's say that if I've understood the teaching has come in afterward. Everything. Okay, so, so, yep. all right. Now, um, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, the 40 mm-hmm. or so year olds yep. that you work with. Um, are they linked to the, to the university as well or no? Uh, they Many of them are because they're former people that I've mentored or coached over the years. Okay. So okay. these are individuals. Um, and then, you know, by speaking at conferences, doing workshops, uh, all of a sudden the LinkedIn connections rise up right, like this sure, and sure. then people are reaching out sure, and, sure. you know, we have, they want to, they want to have a conversation and that's where, you know, even the 40 plus I find uh, one, one of the blog posts I wrote was had to do, have to do, uh, want to do the first job out of university, culture, pay benefits. None of this is going to matter. I need a job, right? That's what you had to do. Then there's a transition of have to do, and this is the the gap in between where the realization may happen. And all of a sudden people are like, what do I have to do? Because they're they're doing the job, but is it really me? And then hopefully they, they start focusing on want to do, and that's where the five core elements might come in and help them realize what do they want to do and how do we get them to yeah. their want to do? Let me ask you, if you don't mind me asking, sure. um, if you remember, Oh, uh, mm-hmm. let's take a case study, uh, an individual sure. that is memorable to you. Mm-hmm. Um, what were there, because we've got your five yep. compound yep. <laughs> words, keywords, core right? Elements. right? Core elements. Yeah. Um, if you remember someone else's 
that would be interesting mm -hmm. to me uh, yeah. for our yeah. audience to see how they reason, the reasoning process, you know? Sure. So I was talking to uh, a person in Los Angeles who, mm -hmm. again, we were talking about their journey and their pathway. And we started talking about the five core elements. And I said, okay, so what's really important to you? And, you know, they said, family's really important. I said, okay, why is family important to you? And they talked about relationships and connectedness. And I said, okay, let's stop. It, would relationships and connectedness apply to your um, work environment? And she said, absolutely. Oh, why? What? Oh, because can, she she's really wanting to connect with the people at work as well. But but and were the, they family members in any way? No, no, no. Ah, okay. So this is where I wanted to pull the ah, words. I see. I because see. Because family is family is more limiting. Something, yeah. Because uh, now it's a segment. So I said, but is it also applicable to the nonprofit board work you're doing? And she said, absolutely. Relationships and connectedness is really important. Next thing you know, I said, okay, so would relationship and connectedness be more significant as an overarching word for other areas of your life besides just your yeah. own personal family? And she said, oh, absolutely. So then we picked <laughs> relationships and connectedness as one of the five core elements ah, okay. uh, that, mm -hmm. that were significant. Then we started talking further and she talked about how the environment is really important and she works towards doing whatever she can to support the environment. And I asked her why, and we talked about that. And then eventually I just said, okay, so you're an environmental ninja. And she goes, oh my gosh, I love that word. Ah, yeah. And she said, can I use that? And I said, sure. by all means, because does, does that describe you? <laughs> so all of a sudden now she's got word number two. And then we started working on, okay, what else is really important to me, to her? And she said, you know, I'm the learning bit and, uh, you know, wanting to, you know, take courses and this. So she became a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And then related to that was curiosity. Mm -hmm. She seems like she was a very curious person, wanted to learn about this, wanted to explore this area. And then the fifth word, I'm trying to recall what it was, but these became tailored to her. Mm -hmm. What was and her age? Do you remember when you were working with her at this level? Yeah, I think she's probably about 35. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And was I hope she... she doesn't see the podcast because <laughs> if, if I got the age wrong, I could be in trouble. Yeah. Was she uh, in mm -hmm. a profession and transforming or transitioning into another? What was mm -hmm. her reason yeah. for, I, I'm always you know interested in the motivation for wanting that change. Yeah. yeah. And it was more of, I think, understanding the the aspect of who she was and is this the right pathway and journey i'm on or should it be something else i think she was at the inquiry position okay. to either reinforce that what she was on the right path or do i need to get off this train and get the on the next station and get on a different train uh in her life so that's where i think the conversation was a, a timely one because it was either reinforcing or going to be a change and I have to follow up with her because we just talked yes. about a couple of months ago mm -hmm. and see, okay, where are you now? And tell me about what's based on that conversation. What are your thoughts and where, where are those signposts now guiding you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you foresee any, I mean, um, mm -hmm. of course it's open, right? You're going to talk to her and she's going to do the talking, but in yeah. your experience, what, mm -hmm usually do you expect or what does develop at this in this second mm -hmm. phase let's say 
Yeah. And it, it, it's more of a, of a journey as opposed to a structured pathway, okay. because then I'll, I'll, uh, and oftentimes when I'm mentoring or coaching, I oftentimes will say, what would you like to talk about today? That's uh, the first question. Okay. And yeah, sometimes it could be, you know, about academics. Mm-hmm. It could be about work. It could be relationships. It could just be about life or just they're struggling today. So what would you like to talk about today? And then mm-hmm. I gear my conversation based on where they want to take it. Uh-huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Now, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to think now, yeah. where do we go from here? Let me see what that, my, where's my keywords? <laughs> and, and where do we go next? Um, now, right. of course, uh, you, you, there, there's something that you have written and I will pull mm-hmm. that up. Uh, you you mm-hmm. said that your tagline is everyone's yeah. life is an autobiography. Make yours worth yeah. reading. Now, yes. um, let's say an autobiography is something that you write, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So make it worth reading would mean for the person who's listening Mm-hmm. to actually write their own story. So if I've understood what the unique nature of what you're doing is mm-hmm. actually, it's not even acting as a mirror for them, mm-hmm. but it's they are taking mm-hmm. the pen and writing mm-hmm. their story, which is right. so interesting because it's sort of like a tapestry, things are coming together. I, I, I enjoy that concept. What is, um, mm-hmm. let, let me say, I'll give you not a trick question, but a, a sort of a little <laughs> nasty question here. Um, along the time, okay, so you said that that happened at 40, when you were mm-hmm. 40, this big change, you left corporate America, a cor- corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that usually for uh, people would be the first uh, existential crisis at that age, right? So this was, mm-hmm. a, you know, a rebirth, let's say, instead. Yep. Along that, from that time to now, mm-hmm. have you, has there ever been, has there been another, uh, mm-hmm. let's say, aha moment where you changed again or made such mm-hmm. a fine tuning of your original project that it mm-hmm. has then developed again? Oh, totally. I mean, and how, you know, long, I've never how, how many a... years after yeah. that? Well, it, I mean, it's, it's actually ever changing, ever evolving. Mm-hmm. And it's been over that period of time, because what I do is uh, for my life is, you know, those five things have guided me and I've changed them, as I've mentioned, as opportunities emerge, like, for example, being an author was never a goal of mine. Teaching was never a goal of mine. Uh, you know, student engagement didn't even realize. And it was more these markers I saw that aligned with those five core elements that because they hit five out of five, they hit what I call fulfillment as opposed to career or even a job. But you know, and that's the part. But the thing that is is so fascinating Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. is that the speed, right? Now I'm going to talk in terms of energy, okay? When I talk to you, I get the impression of a certain speed, okay? Mm -hmm. And the speed, actually, is a slow, ever-changing reality. Mm -hmm. But it's dynamic. It's constantly Mm -hmm. dynamic. Right. And the changes that you've made are so earth-shattering. 
but you've mm-hmm. done it in a way as to accompany the change with your entire being, which is uh, is is very mm-hmm. uncommon, very uncommon, mm-hmm. and most I would say ninety percent of people would be on um, you know. Mm-hmm on drugs <laughs> because helping them through, you know, <laughs> and I'm, right. I don't want to know if you're on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> the drug of happiness. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, but, uh, but, but you see yeah. it, it, it's such um, refreshing. It's mm-hmm. so refreshing, mm-hmm. Sam, to, to, mm-hmm. To hear that and to see yeah. this, I'm actually seeing it. It's like an animal that's rolling over in the sand and changes every time it rolls over. And it's great. Right. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. No, and, and Claudia, to be fair, there are times I reflect back going, have I really, did I leave that corporate job? Like, really? <laughs> yes. Did I take, Was it did me? I have the guts to just... <laughs> Yeah, did I have the guts to just walk to the edge of the cliff and press the button yeah. with a hundred percent of the people around me saying you're making the biggest yes, mistake? Yes, yes. And I never looked back. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's also it's also that um, what it's taught me though, is, and this is something I can I can respect and appreciate that may not uh, make people comfortable. Is my realization is I thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty, Ooh, and I throw wait myself. Wait a minute! Don't throw that yeah. out with that. Exp- this is. I, you know, having someone mm-hmm. say it in those terms, you've got to explain. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to yeah. thrive well, on ambiguity. My God, finally, someone who says it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I don't just say it. I do it. I mean, um, it, it's the space where magic happens oh. when you put yourself there. Oh. And I always say that, you know, I always keep in mind where my feet will land, but I don't shoot for that. In other words, there are times where people will come to me and they're like, you know, struggling with making a decision. And I always say the first thing to them is, does anybody die or get hurt as a result of your decision? And they're like, well, no. And I said, great, we know where we're going to land. Perfect. Okay, let's move on. Um, But for me, I thrive in that space of ambiguity and uncertainty. So the world has got problems. And all you have to do is watch the news and they will tell you what the problems are, but nobody is coming up with solutions. Yeah. So I look at the problem and I'm like, can I find an opportunity that's going to guide me to a solution? And this is where, um, you know, starting that organization that uh, has merged, uh, do it, walking into the student engagement field with no technical experience or academic experience of social of student engagement, but yet for eight years, we actually changed the whole culture Yeah. because I looked at it as here's the problem. Students are going home and they're, they're not being engaged. And then how do I fix this? And then some things work, some things don't. But I also think that we use the term failure too easy. Yeah. yeah. Now I've never had a failure, but I've had setbacks, a setback. The same thing happens, but what I do is I get back up. Yeah dust myself off, right. learn from that experience and emerge stronger mm-hmm. and come up with a better idea or way that I'm going to yeah. deal with it. But that's the way that my life has revolved yeah. is this ambiguity and uncertainty. I mean, Claudia, in during the pandemic, we were I, in our house, we were going through a major renovation. Yeah. And, you know, our designer looked at this feature wall and said, and here we're going to put an Ikea table. And I looked <laughs> at her going, no, I'm going to make my own table. I'm not going to. And my wife looked at me going like, 
are you crazy? No, we're not doing just if we know what we're going to get if we get the IKEA table. And I said, exactly. I don't want that. Yeah. Now, now woodworking has become part of my life as my outlet because of that one instance. And I think the reason why, and this may tie into what you're asking, it goes back to my first TEDx speech about storytelling, because I said that the way that I, I thrive in this space is this term carpe and carpe of carpe diem, but carpe is curiosity, appreciation, reflection, perspective, and experience. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll just say curiosity, sorry, uh, curiosity, appreciation, reflection, perspective, and experience. That's what I do when I'm faced with a problem. Curiosity shows me that this is a problem and I stop. Yeah. I start appreciating, okay, how can I work through this? Mm -hmm. Or what is it that can happen here? And I start reflecting and adding purpose and meaning to it. Yeah. The perspectives start to roll in because of who I am as an individual and what I've accumulated. And then my experience, which is cataloging this to say, here's what we're able to do. And then now it becomes my story, but it also becomes the journey yeah. that I'm on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, hats yeah. off to you. Now we talked about books. Come on, tell us about the books yeah, yeah. and there's something in the making, right? Or no? Well, so there, the two books that are out, the first one, again, just emerged out of doing a TEDx speech on storytelling and, you know, discover that extraordinary in the ordinary. I think we go through autopilot and, you know, we see our lives as ordinary, but I make it into, ex I, I tell people how extraordinary the everyday things are if you just go with that carpet exactly. concept. The second book was about the journey to India to find my ancestral roots and it's my magnum opus. And it's not a defeatist thing to say, you know, this is the last book I write. No, there's more and I'm working on. But wait, wait, wait. When you but say magnum, magnum opus, I mean, how big is it? <laughs> or oh, no, it's only 300 pages. <laughs> but it's, uh, okay. <laughs> it's only 300 pages, but it's an easy read. Uh -huh. And but my heart and soul was poured into those words. Mm -hmm. And it it really was part, as you mentioned, the soul, my heart and soul is in that book. And mm -hmm. it's a beautiful story that just needs to be shared. It's not about how many books can I sell and how much money I can make. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's just a book that I think is just this beautiful journey that someone took. The way I describe it is there's the movie, The Lion yeah. and Eat, Love, Pray. It's yeah. sort of a combination of the two mm -hmm, movies. Mm -hmm. But those two books are, you know, but as mentioned, I never saw myself as an author, yeah. but now there's two books. And the next and one knows, I think is yeah. I'm collaborating with somebody oh. on a, a book on leadership and followership, but it's going to be like a children's book, but meant for the corporate world. Mm -hmm. I think we spend so much time talking and defining leadership. We've ignored the bigger picture, which is followership and how important followership is. Very, it's not about, very it's not, yeah, it's not about blindly following as a yeah. sheep, but adding significance yeah. to help very, the leader very along. Very, interesting. Yeah. Sam Tierra, I don't know how to thank you for taking the time to, you know, talk to us today. I hope in the future oh. we'll be able to get you back on. And especially when yes. you're around writing about <laughs> followership, that's what we're going to talk about next. Thanks again for of coming, course. Sam. No, my pleasure. And again, I just have people remember everyone's life's an autobiography. You're a story living to be told. Please share your story with others. Bye-bye.